2: I means that it is a good morning whether I want it or not. Please go away, let me speak for the love
0: of God. Hey, what's up everybody? Good morning and thanks for dropping by. This is Good Movie Monday, the weekly podcast presented by FakeShemp.net. Glenn Cochran is my name and I'll be on this side of the desk for today's episode. And over on that side is Keith Schulz, the proclaimed man of taste,
1: hero to some,
0: enemy to others... Glenn, hello. Hi, how are you? I'm
1: very well. (laughs) Hero to many.
0: Yes. uh, Well, debatable.
1: Mm, Heroes to those who have tests.
0: (laughs) Well, we're all geared up for another bumper episode. Guillermo and Adam are back on board this week for more of their weekly input. Uh, We're going to be talking to Jarrett very soon about something nerdy and exciting. And he's also going to have all of this week's new release news for you. And we'll also be giving you another sneak peek into the world of Bonehead Weekly, the podcast from Kentucky that smells a lot like moonshine. So anyway, Keith... My friend, what's been happening since last week?
1: What's been happening? Well, it's been an interesting news week for um, FilmWise, Glenn. I've noticed that um, there's been some controversy about some of the old classics. One that we discussed recently in a spitball video, Going with the Wind, mate, classic, you know, staple of cinema, Hollywood, iconic, has been, I believe, was taken off Netflix. Was it Netflix?
0: uh it was i think it was hbo okay taken
1: off hbo yeah because of this whole situation we find ourselves in america and around the world with um the race riots. you know it's a very controversial topical subject so they removed go with the wind and then i believe they put it back on yep. but with a disclaimer Correct. a la 50s haze code style saying you know this is the context of the film yada 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 we don't endorse these views yeah. something like that which should be obvious well, what i i mean uh, look I know this is a hot potato. I'm going to throw it to you, mate. <laughs> oh, thanks. What are, you, what are your thoughts on this? Because I'm not I'm not on board with this at all.
0: Cancel culture never sits well with me. No. It never will. No. Um, nor does like retrofit in history. Yeah, uh,
1: absolutely. Yeah. And
0: you, you hear me on this show all the time talk about things that are timestamps, timepieces. Context. Context is important. And I think certain things like Gone with the Wind represent an era that mm. is the truth of their era. Uh, the way that the um, the black actors in that film were depicted is just the way society thought at the time. That's right. We don't think that now. No. So what the film to me represents is the progress we've made. That's right. Not only that, an important film in general.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Also to the African American community, it was the first Oscar that mm. an African American ever won. <laughs> it
1: was Best Supporting Actress.
0: So let's throw that context into the That's argument. It's
1: important film history. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, this just oh, look. I didn't want to come into this subject outraged because I could easily fly off the handle. I don't think that does the the issue any... Uh, it's a disservice to the, the topic itself. That's right. Um, but you know what? <laughs> okay. What kind of sensitive, uneducated generation needs to be cotton-wooled at a preschool level
1: like this. No, I totally agree. I mean, it's just, it's basically film censorship, isn't it? Which we've always been against. Um, you know, we go back to the 50s, you know, with the Hays Code. Yep. There was a very limited amount that you could do in, in cinema. Um, obviously, we've progressed. But I think this is a, like a, a regression. Uh, I think, I, I basically, I think if you need a disclaimer before a film, particularly one that is 81 years old, mm-hmm. then... Um, if you if you're a viewer and you actually need that, you require that as context yep. for the film to so help you understand it and to help you interpret it correctly, then you should not be watching movies.
0: And I doubt <sighs> I doubt who's going to be offended by this film. Like the that's people right. that are out, out you know outraged and all this are not the people that are going to watch.
1: No, it. that's exactly right. It's it's trying to rewrite history, reframe it. Um, anyone with half a brain will watch this film Recognise that it's made in 1939 It's like you're not going to watch an Albert Hitchcock film For up-to-date current gender politics yep. You're not going to watch a Billy Wilder film for diversity yep. uh, uh, You're not going to watch a James Bond film For um, empowering female characters from the 60s yep. You're going to watch it for entertainment's sake, you're interested in films of that era, and you're gonna have enough wherewithal to be able to interpret it correctly. So, I mean, the disclaimer for me is unpalatable enough. The fact that they actually removed it, it is, I think, ludicrous.
0: And of course, this is just a snowball effect because now everything's being pulled. Like in Australia, television shows like all the Chris Lilly stuff, uh, yeah. Little Britain, Faulty Towers, Faulty Towers, a classic, has, had their um the famous uh, Nazi episode removed.
1: Nazis, man. Well, how's this? Like <laughs> they deserved even, it.
0: They're even um there's a petition to have Paw Patrol banned because it portrays police in a positive light. <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> like, really? like, I just find all of this absurd. This is not the world I want to live in.
1: It's it's right. It's just, I suppose, you know, not to get too carried away. It's just virtually, virtually, it's just symbolic gestures that from people who are comfortable, they don't want to actually cause real change. So it's just a virtue signaling um, exercise. Yeah. Which really... It matters – if Gone with the Wind plays on a HBO or not, it matters not. Like, as in in the context of society, it's not going to change a thing. It, it's it's irrelevant yep. to to causing any change whatsoever. Well,
0: I also believe that – and I, I could be mistaken, so if anyone wants to fact-check me on this, please do – I believe that the supplier in Australia has just deleted the item from catalogue as well. You're kidding? So, yeah. Gone with the Wind? Yes.
1: With that tasty new Blu-ray? Yep. Ca- that
0: the, is disgraceful. That we about. It is disgraceful. yeah it's It's ludicrous overly sensitive anyway yeah we look following on from last week's episode I did disclaim that we would not be overly political on this show so that's about where we'll leave it with that yeah it's just Um, it's
1: just the principle of film censorship if
0: you want to add your opinion to our you know our social pages then please do Uh, don't be surprised if we don't respond to those because we don't want to end up in a shitstorm no. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, shall we move on? Yeah, let's move on. All
0: right. Well, keeping up with the uh, driving cinema release and screening news that we've been reporting on over the last few weeks, here's what's playing in Melbourne. Again, cheers to all of you non-Melbourneites who uh, stick it out with us every week when we go through this. Given that the majority of our listeners are from Melbourne, um, we'll quickly dish this out before moving on. The Coburg Drive-In, uh, they have a new retro calendar wow. up and running. So, their website for the, the month of June um, has films <laughs> Starting tonight, you've got The Fifth Element. Wow. And you've got uh, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas coming up. <laughs> Jackie Brown. Wow. Bridesmaids, The Shining. Dang. You've got The Notebook. Mm. You've got Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Some classics. The there, Wizard man. of Oz.
1: The Wizard of Oz yeah, is playing.
0: but not going with the wind. <laughs> no, It <no, no>. um, <laughs> the, got pulled. <laughs> yeah, the Germana Drive-In. Uh, this one is interesting. They're currently having a visitor's choice voting system on their website. So you can go there and vote for what you want to see screened and That's most great. popular vote wins. I like that. That's sort of a people's choice thing. That's great. The Luna Drive-In will be screening too many films to list. Uh, they've got a really impressive lineup. up uh, Some notable mentions, you've got Jojo Rabbit, Ford versus Ferrari, The Conjuring, uh, The Invisible Man, The Joker, The Grudge, uh, and don't forget their new $3 million candy bar.
1: Yes, indeed. <laughs> screening Jojo Rabbit.
0: Interesting. Yeah. You know what? I drove past the, um, the Dramana Drive-In last weekend and I couldn't believe it. It was packed. Wow. Like it was just on dusk and the car lights. That's awesome. Yeah, it was absolutely packed to the brim. So it was really good to see. It's great. So make sure that you visit all of those drive-ins websites. Uh, Climb back on board the drive-in train because it's exciting and it's fun. Wherever you are in the world, if you're not in Australia, then find your local drive-in, go out and support them. I believe there's a massive boom in
1: the industry over in America with this. Yes, sensational. It's romantic, you know.
2: Live from America's premier horror and paranormal convention, every Friday night, Scarefest Television brings you guests from the horror and paranormal fields, plus featured movie reviews, entertainment features, and short films. Watch us live every week at ScarefestRadio.com or via Facebook and Twitter
0: by following The Scarefest.
2: Scarefest Radio, the radio you
1: can see.
0: Okay, so by now I don't need to remind you that you can catch me on Scarefest TV every Saturday at eleven a.m., which is um, actually nine p.m. on a Friday night, American Eastern Standard Time. So check it out live, and if you do miss it, then you can also find my segments on the face, then you can also find my segments on the Fake Champ Facebook page and YouTube channel shortly after. But speaking of scary things, Keith, my friend, there is a new Evil Dead movie coming.
1: Apparently so, Glenn. Apparently so, mate. Are you excited? I'm beside myself. It's <laughs> number four, is it?
0: Well, technically number five.
1: Who um who's helming this one?
0: Well, I'm about to tell you, but um I suspected that you probably wouldn't want to participate as heavily in this one as I do.
1: No, probably not. So though. we've
0: called in the big man, <laughs> Mister Jarrett Garn. He's back on the show to have a little chin wag. How are you going, mate?
3: Good man. Yeah, really good. Really good. Very excited about this Evil Dead news.
0: It's awesome. So what do you make of it? It just completely blindsided me.
3: Like I just didn't know what to think. Yeah. But I like the idea of rather than go back to The Last Evil Dead and get Betty Alvarez back, that they've chosen to pursue a new direction and get another director in.
0: Yes. So who's this director? This one, um,
3: is it Lee Cronin? Yeah, this guy directed The Hole in the Ground, which was an Irish horror film that came out early last year. We actually did screenings of it around Australia as part of Monster Fest Presents. Yes. Uh, and it's a really cool film that it's really sort of atmosphere-based and driven by suspense and it's more really what you sort of perceive as coming less of, you know, more, 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 less show and tell. It's just, yeah, it's suspense driven and there was plot holes with it. I had problems with the movie. I really enjoyed the movie probably yeah. three quarters and then, yeah, it just didn't sort of have a direction, a good, you know, landing spot, which was yeah. a shame that said, sure. look, they're working with the Evil Dead now. so well, That's
0: it. Well, I mean, in a, it was in an interview with Empire Magazine last week that um, Evil Dead star Bruce Campbell confirmed that the official film fourth film was on the way. I don't know why he's calling it the fourth film. Maybe that's just because it's his timeline. I thought the, the reboot was kind of his timeline.
3: Well, yeah. It's odd because they kept talking about doing a film that would cross over both characters in yeah. the same universe. And they even and put him in the, the Bruce Campbell cameo, even though, yeah, but go figure.
0: Go figure. And the, the title of this one is, uh, what is it? Um, Evil Dead Now, which I'm guessing is like a, an Apocalypse Now reference.
3: Precisely. That's, as soon as I read that, I thought the same thing. And I did you think was, of Keith? Bruce I Campbell's having a <laughs> limited... Of- yeah. What's that? Did you think of Keith? I did. Yes, I'm like, finally, this might be the, the, the thing to get him over the line, to get him to Evil Dead franchise.
1: We'll,
0: see. <laughs> well, it also comes after the three seasons of Ash versus Evil Dead, which in my mind was a phenomenal continuation to the, the franchise. But um, anyway, um, I can't wait. It's going to be exciting. Keep your eyes on this space because um, we'll be reporting on it. There's no doubt about that. But we want to talk about something, uh, some physical media, mate. Oh, the
3: old physical media, my good man.
0: What have you got for us this week?
3: doing it live which is bizarre
0: it is to do this live because
3: usually what i do is i try and either come up with the most outlandish thing i possibly can which takes all of about 5 minutes or i spend my time trying to think of something safe to do and that takes me like hours
0: hang on something safe to do
3: yeah you know just 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 something just light, you know, whether it be like a, a slight beat with the words porno after it. Um you know, something that's really just towing the line. All right. Um, not too towy as such, but yes. But yeah, home entertainment. Well this this week there's so much stuff coming out. It's incredible, man. But the best stuff that's coming out, it's all coming out through Universal Sony. Universal Sony have Lee Wynell's The Invisible Man coming out 4K Blu-ray and DVD. I know you love this movie. I love this movie. Yep. And so this is a day one purchase, and it's got a commentary with Lee Whannell. It's got featurettes, I think there's four of them, and deleted mm-hmm. scenes as well. So it's a pretty good package. The 4K Ultra HD even has a Dolby Atmos track. So you can imagine how much more terrifying that movie is going to be able to watch it with, you know, complete immersive sound. So totally. I'm really excited
0: about that. And 4K, like, you know, we've started to lose a few 4K, so it's good that this one's getting that. Yeah.
3: Absolutely. Universal Sony have been actually pretty good with the 4K lineup. Like, if there's a 4K Master coming out, you know, in the US or the UK, then generally Uni Sony are doing it locally, which is fantastic news. And on that note, there's actually two catalogue titles coming out in 4K this week, which are really only weeks behind the international releases. And the first one's Jaws, Steven Spielberg's Jaws, which I was really hoping, because I pre-ordered it through Kix, which is Universal Sony's home, you know, website sort of thing, their own web store. I was hoping it would arrive early, like Top Gun, and it would. I'd have it on like you know last Friday, and be able to watch it <laughs> on the weekend. Unfortunately, it didn't. Hopefully, it'll be here today.
0: Have you seen the artwork? It's delicious. <sighs> I don't know about you the don't artwork. You don't like it. You it's like, it.
3: Revenge. it's uh... like why can't they just stick with the original art? Now it's oh, yes. like yours of revenge. But that said, look, I like it. It. it's all about the content. It's what's inside that counts. <laughs> uh, and they've got and all the archives.
0: In this case, the title is inside his mouth. <laughs>
3: exactly and the um, transfer on this 4k restoration oh my god I can't wait to see this thing and there's a Dolby Atmos track and I've read that the Dolby Atmos track too it's not intrusive it really plays with the original elements well so John Williams score that iconic score is supposed to sound fantastic as are all of the other sonic delights in the film as well because sometimes when you watch a catalogue title and they tweak the sound it can just become a little bit false and needless like why do i need to hear this guy walking behind me on you know amity island you know that's Mm. that's not necessary or a seagull squawking or things of that nature but if it's really sort of put into the score and bringing that orchestra feel to it yeah um i'm all for it but then another catalogue title coming out from universal sony is the elephant man by the way of studio canal that is that's on 4k ultra hd and that's three discs what's amazing three discs first disc 4k the other two blu-rays Loaded with special features, even two new special features, one with the stills photographer in the film who talks about working with Lynch and working on film in that period. And, of course, the film's, you know, shot in beautiful black and white. You yeah. know, he's the stills photographer. He's got to represent that in the photo form to accompany the film. And then the other special features, like a BFI Q&A with the producer of the film, um, Jonathan Sanger, I think his name was. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm cool. dying to check this out because early word about the transfer is it's just phenomenal and you could imagine because it's such a beautiful looking film this is this is probably my favorite david lynch film and admittedly I'm not a massive david lynch fan but my two favorite films are his uh, his most linear films this and straight the straight story, story. And yeah me too yeah, yeah absolutely like then blue velvet Walter Hart. And, you know I've got a soft spot of course
0: he calls he calls the straight story his most experimental film course yeah well,
3: the most experimental for disney I reckon. Yeah. <laughs> I, reckon, I reckon david lynch to direct a movie crazy but yeah so that's pretty cool other stuff that's coming out through universal sony is stuff that's basically just headed to dvd only there's uh angel of mine there's dark waters which i think that released just before the covid sort of kicked in so we never really no one really got the opportunity yeah. to go see it
0: it was Aaron brokovich light What's that? Yes, absolutely.
3: That's the most accurate way to describe that movie. Um, then there's I Still Believe, which is one of those faith films. Uh, Queen and Slim, which is another film that didn't really get a proper opportunity. It kind of came and went. It was good. Oh, yeah, it was good. I heard it was like a modern day kind of Bonnie and Clyde thing. And it sounds like it could be particularly relevant now during absolutely. this whole sort of Black Lives Matter movement. Yeah. Right. And then there's another movie that's coming out. Another one of these faith movies. Tell me. Do these faith films. They must sell if they keep releasing them. Of course they do. They must, yeah. Well, there's another one coming. It's called Same Kind of Different as Me.
0: Um, (laughs) Say that again. Same Kind of Different as Me.
3: I think it might be sort of um, regardless of what ethnicity or sex you are, if you are a Christian, you know, you are the same as one another. Right. that's just my take from having looked at the artwork and read the title and gone, that must be what it's about. You just
0: made up your own synopsis in your head. Yeah, that's exactly it. I didn't make
3: it any more interesting or, you know, for me to want to check it out. Aside from that, there's not much else coming out. Roadshow's got two releases. They've got, isn't it romantic? Which is odd that they're doing it on DVD. It was, it was, you know, it went to Netflix globally, but the film was made by, yeah. Oh, like, yeah. I think there must be a window, like a 12 to 18 month window for these things, but that movie actually was made by New Line and Warner and was going out in theaters in the States, but then I think they did a deal. Maybe they just kind of went, waited up and went, you know, Rebel Wilson, you know, she's fantastic <laughs> at what she does, but maybe it's not going to be box office gold, especially yeah. Adam Devine, you know, sort of playing opposite her, which, you know, I love Adam Devine, but mm. he's not really box office, you know. Well,
0: it's a repairing from Pitch Perfect, isn't it?
3: It is, absolutely. And then the other, Hemsworth, the one that, you know, not yeah. the not the one that nobody knows, <laughs> but the one in the middle that you kind of know. Luke, I think it might be Luke yeah. Hemsworth. Yeah. Um, I didn't mind it, but I wouldn't be buying it on DVD. And then yeah. they've got another film, The Apparition, that's coming out on DVD too, a horror that I'd never heard of Um at all. No. Roadshow are releasing this. This looks like something you might see creep up on, you know, an indie like Defiant or Eagle, but Roadshow are releasing it. So blew my mind but yeah so i think the week really belongs to universal sony with the invisible man and those two amazing catalog titles
0: brilliant well mate you've done your job oh well i can't wait man i'm
3: gonna be down at jb on or or maybe pre-ordering through amazon or mighty ape let's just (laughs) spread the love (laughs) i'm gonna be all over these discs this week in one way or another
4: well
0: all right well dude it's been great chatting with you mate we can't wait to get you back here on the desk can't wait. And now uh, we're actually going to hear a little bit about what's screening on uh, this Friday's Fright Night. <laughs>
3: All right, see you guys later.
4: There's something strange happening over at the old Monster Fest place. Late every Friday night, strange sounds can be heard emanating from their Facebook page. Menacing lights flashing from mysterious posts. You've had a good movie Monday. Are you ready for a Friday Fright Night 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 Night? This week, Friday, June 19, at facebookcom monster film fest, it's marathon time. So slip on your sneakers, pull up your tracky decks and get ready to keep it secret and keep it safe as we play three films back-to-back featuring genre queen Pollyanna McIntosh. Starting at the all new time of 7 p.m., Monsterfest is proud to present The Woman, Let Us Pray, and White Settlers. Savage, Violent, the only thing wilder than this, Pollyanna, is a taste for college. Have you got what it takes to spend the night with Monster Fest and Miss Macintosh? Be there. If you dare.
0: Of course, that song was Can't Turn You Loose, and there's no prizes for knowing what movie that iconic number belongs to. No. It was, of course, The Blues Brothers, which turns 40 years old this week. Are you a fan?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, no, as a childhood favourite, which I actually watched... Maybe six months ago. I mean, I've watched it a number of times since I grew up, obviously. But yeah, I mean, I was it.
0: about to say, this is a big part of my childhood. I mm. mean, I'm sure there are so many kids out there, you know, from the 80s and 90s that had the sunglasses and the fedora hat and used to perform these songs in front of their families.
1: Yeah. Okay. I, I think it's the first film. You, it can be one of the first films you see when you react to so that's a little bit edgy. Yep. It's a little bit grown up. Yep. Um, you've got these cool characters who are breaking the law. It's perfect for it like is. an eight, so nine-year-old.
0: It was directed by John Landis, um, co-written by Dan Aykroyd, uh, the Blues Brothers. It was released in 1980. It was the first film to be based off a Saturday Night Live uh, sketch. Yeah. Um Aykroyd and John Belushi had left the show the year before, so it was sort of a big deal for them to be yeah. making this film.
1: Well, they used to do gigs as the Blues Brothers, didn't they? Is that correct? Yeah, well, yeah. They,
0: they, and they still do. I mean, yeah. Belushi doesn't, but his brother does. <laughs> yeah. You know, House of Blues is the the club that Dan Aykroyd set up. And, yeah. And I think they travel it as well. It's epic. It's amazing. If you're not familiar with the Blues Brothers, then you are definitely slacking. Mm. Uh, it's a blues, music, infused rock and roll adventure uh, that sees the two... Um, well, oh, the two blues brothers, Jake and Elroy, travel across country on a mission from God uh, to get the old band back together and raise money for their childhood orphanage. That's
1: right. What a story! Yeah, it's a How great. How did he story. come up with that plot? That scene with the nun at the start's brain. <laughs> 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 That's right, with the cane. <laughs> That's great. Um, and
0: the film's also littered with like all kinds of cameos. I think go, you got Aretha Franklin.
1: Yes. James Brown, Ch- um, Ray Charles. Ray Charles is in it. You've got um Twiggy. Yes. She's in it. And that's seen at the service station. And um, Frank Oz is in it too. Frank and Steven Spielberg. Yeah. Is, who's Spielberg? He plays the bank teller. That puts far up the, out. The back yeah, 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 far out.
0: Yeah. Course. Um even Paul Rubens, John Candy, like John Candy, yeah. Yeah, it's an amazing cast. And of course Paul Schaefer. Like he's a, Yeah. Yeah. I just yeah. I, I sort of I ogle over this movie. I it's saw great. It, I saw it, I've seen it seen it you know, theatrically several times and yeah. I just can't get enough of it. Um I think it also boasted the the world record for the
1: biggest car wreck in yeah. cinema history. Well, here's the thing: I mean, it's a comedy, obviously, it's, but it's got great tunes, and the action scenes are exceptional. Like the car chases in that are so well put together. Three
0: cars smashed in one scene. Is
1: that at the end? Or, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. The pilot with the cop cars. The scene in the mall is brilliant. You know where they go Ah, oh, this you know, there's a new Sears here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: that's right. It's like window shopping. Yeah, that's right. It's yeah. brilliant. Um, so I think that world record was. Broken two years later, so they didn't they didn't retain that record for long. Yeah, um, gone in sixty seconds two might have been the one that broke that. But they got there first. They did get there first. Actually, um, how? Yeah, go no, on. you go. No, you go. I was going to say, how about John Landis though? Like, this was a really prolific voice of you know yeah. of cinema in the seventies and eighties. Yeah. Do you like him as a filmmaker?
1: I do. No, yeah. I do. This would probably be my favourite. Of his, but yep. yeah, he he was churning them out, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, I know. Yeah.
0: Jarrett and I um, hosted a podcast um, where we focused on the Kentucky Fried Movie, mm. which was his first film, mm. greatest sketch comedy film ever made. Yeah, Some of the greatest it. sketch comedy sketches, yeah. in general. Uh, then he went on to Animal House, which was like iconic.
1: Animal House is great. Yeah, I'm. I have a soft spot for that one too. So I must be said. Actually, Belushi. You know this scene in Animal House where he. Someone throws him the bottle of Jack, and yeah. he just necks it. I love that; it's brilliant.
0: pretty sure that was real too. Yeah, probably. And I, I read somewhere um, I th- was it? I think it was both the Blues Brothers and Animal House. Um, cocaine is what they provided Belushi to keep him going. Yeah, like the studio provided <laughs> it for him to you know yeah. maintain his stamina. We well,
1: died in eighty one. Yeah, is that correct? so not long after the Blues Brothers. Yeah, so it was a very brief, a very brief moment in the sun. De Niro was with him the day he died. Yeah, um, anyway. Yeah. Cool. yeah. A whole other story there. He needed to calm it down.
0: Yeah. Well, let me reel off some other Landis films while we're talking about him because they're iconic. American Werewolf in London. Yes. I think it's one of the best horror films in yeah, general. you love that, thing, Trading Places. Yes. Uh, Coming to America, Spies Like Us, Three Amigos, Michael yeah. Jackson's
1: Thriller. No, of course, yeah.
0: Um, and of course, you know, he fell out with Spielberg after the Twilight Zone movie <laughs> and all of the, the disastrous events that took place there.
1: What do you think of that film?
0: I don't like it very no. much. I think there's two really good segments and yeah. some pretty average fodder. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, I think Dan Aykroyd was also pretty prolific in the time. Dan
1: Aykroyd was on fire. Yeah,
0: because not only did he write Blues Brothers, he co-wrote Ghostbusters, Spies yeah. Like Us, Dragnet. He directed um, Nothing But Trouble and wrote yeah. Coneheads. He
1: he was massive, and he kind of just he's is he just in retirement now? No, he endorses vodka. He, yeah. you know, he goes
0: around like they have him on shows and panels to talk about, you know, mm. Ghostbusters usually. Yeah. And he's, you know, he's his um writer says that, you know, he has to be able to present vodka on the show, like an endorse this brand okay. that he distills and yeah, yeah it's all it's, a bit wanky. Yeah, so sp- you get you get about, you know, twenty percent uh Ghostbusters talk and the rest of it's all about all vodka. about
1: vodka spammy, Daniel. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. What do you think of Blues Brothers two thousand? I was just about to ask you that. Oh, I'm not a fan. Really? No, I'm not. Uh, To be fair, I think I've maybe seen it twice. It's been a long, long time. It's interesting.
0: I think that's a general consensus. Most people think it's a pretty shit movie.
1: And what do you think, Glenn?
0: Well, you know what I think, (laughs) Keith.
1: (laughs) I know. That's why I wanted to ask. Look,
0: I like it. And I think it's basically a rehash of the first one. There's no doubt about it. But I do think it's got some fantastic set pieces. I think the performances are pretty good. Um, But I like the the interesting concept of turning the duo into a quartet. Mm. So there's four of them. Uh, look, it's just, it's all about the set pieces for me. Yeah. Okay. And I think too, it was made in 1999. It was. It looked a bit too polished at the time, but mm. I think now that we've come so far that everything is really smick and polished, that it actually looks grittier than it did at release. Yeah. So I think you can go back and watch this one retrospectively and get a kick out of it.
1: Yeah. It's a good. good double feature. Aesthetically, it's aged well.
0: I think so. And it also has an amazing car chase and car wreck scene. Yeah. Um, like I said, a bit of a rehash. But anyway, Yeah. it's generally malign, but I'm, I'm the sequel
5: guy.
1: You are. So yes, you're playing true to type here. Yeah. <laughs>
5: hey guys it is adam here from adam's just seen with another good movie monday recommendation and i could go two ways this week i could go team glenn or i could go team keith and i've decided to go team keith and review a Bond movie which is actually kind of surprising me because I've never been the biggest Bond fan but I am changing my tune. All of the Bond films are currently on stand streaming in glorious high definition and so the other night I decided to go back and watch Casino Royale, the movie that started it all for Daniel Craig. Now people forget that when this came out in 2006 the chatter online was not good there were a lot of naysayers very very few people believe that Danny C could pull this one off, and boy, did he. Now his tenure as Bond is neck and neck with Connery, I believe, as you know, the greatest Bond of all time. Now he has been a little bit up and down, so for every Casino Royale, we get a quantum solace, for every, you know, at Skyfall we get a spectre and I'm really, really hoping that he sticks a landing with no time to die. Now, Casino Royale is effectively an origin tale for Bond and we find Bond here much more vulnerable physically and emotionally. And this has got all the great things that you want in a Bond movie, like it opens with a massive bang. And I forgot just how batshit crazy the parkour action sequence is at the start of this movie. And it gave my television a serious workout. The locales are absolutely gorgeous. We've got a classic villain here. You've got Mads Milkinson. And I think that the great thing about, you know, the villainous interplay in this movie is is that, you know, look, playing cards isn't that dynamic. But between Daniel and Mads, there is just this tension. And there is, you know, and they're really elevating that, this. And both of them have gone on to be truly acclaimed actors. And, look, the absolute secret weapon, you know, the absolute ace in the sleeve in this movie is Eva Green as Vespa Lynn. She gives this movie a complete soul. And the thing is, Craig is trying so hard here to be tough and to be stoic. And every scene that he has with Green, he just kind of melts. And I feel that that is all of us. Everyone that watches this movie, when you're in her presence, when you're looking at her, it's hard not to feel the same way. She is so, so good. And I think unequivocally the best Mon Girl of all time. Um, the movie is a little bit long, it is two and a half hours, but it is pretty well paced, and it has a spectacular final action sequence where buildings are literally being submerged. So yeah, look, if you haven't revisited this one since 2006, come back to it, it holds up really well. A big reason for it holding up so well is that they decided to scrap all the gadget-heavy stuff that had weighed down the Brosnan versions, and instead they've gone for this kind of visceral, bone-crunching action that could be found in the Jason Bourne movies. So much more realistic and much, yeah, definitely much more visceral. So this is a rock solid four stars for me. It is only kind of beaten by Skyfall by just kind of a nose, but I just think that Skyfall has the most amazing cinematography by Roger Deakins. So that's why that one wins by a nose. So Casino Royale, check it out on Stan, go and revisit it.
2: FYI, once a year, I do look up 83, 84, 85 Sears catalog wish book. Because I go through it going, God, I wish I had that. God, I wish yeah. I had that. It's really sad. I did this three weeks ago before I went to bed
0: by no, myself in no. the uh, light
2: on. I,
3: I, I remember as a kid, and, of course, we 90% of the time, my parents couldn't get half of the stuff that I wanted, but I, that my parents used to, we'd get it in the mail. My dad usually would say something, you know, when
5: I was a kid, you could order a horse through Sears, which is true. Um, by the way, your parents lied to you. They're, they weren't poor. They just thought you were an asshole. <laughs> yeah. Is
2: he in bed? Get the caviar. Uh <laughs> um
3: but anyway, no, so I, that's the uh I, I say all that to say, um but I do remember, I agree, Joe. I remember going through the, the wish book. And yeah. I look my kids will never oh, I do have. Too. They they will never they don't even have the Toys the Toys R Us wish book anymore that died what, three years ago now? Yeah.
2: Anyway. I would tear one, out the
3: pages. Uh so, so next you, up, let's keep it that with, rolling.
0: James. You do know, that with most books. Uh, I want to
3: start with one. I, I want
0: to start one. with who? Once again, that was a tiny taste of Bonehead Weekly podcast from Kentucky. And that's from their latest episode, which looks back at the forgotten toys of the 80s. And those guys will be joining our show for a regular segment in the coming weeks. And we can't wait for that. Follow them on social media. Listen to their show. And um, you can find them on most podcast hosting platforms. Uh, but it is time to talk about recommendations. Yes. All right, Keith. Last week I set you a challenge. You did. All right, So the challenge was to recommend a contemporary film.
1: Yes. How did you go with that? So I've delved into the '90s. No, I'm kidding. I <laughs> uh, yeah. I've now yeah, I've got something from. Awesome. I got something. I got something from 2011. I
0: was going to say it's not like um, Tarantino's latest. To be fair, though, I
1: have recommended a film from the 2010s previously, although it was a doco. Okay. Anyway. Digress. Yes, there is a digression. I just wanted to put that out there, people. This is number two. (laughs) Number two for Keith's (laughs) 21st century recommendations is the 2011 spy thriller Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy.
0: Wow, mate. Even with the challenge set you played to type, (laughs) very (laughs) well.
1: Hats off to you, sir. I found a way of making it, of Keithifying it, (laughs) by Thomas Alfredson. There's a new T-shirt for us. Yes, indeed. Um, This... I feel this film, I don't know, I'm sure some of our view, listen viewers, listeners have, uh, have seen this. I know it was commonly or is commonly criticized as being somewhat dull, perhaps boring, but I'm of, I'm of the opposite opinion. I think it's quite a captivating thriller. A slow burner. Subtle. An incredible cast. It's obviously based on the famous 80s John Lee Carré novel, uh, you know, in the, uh, in the Cold War. George Smiley, who was played by um, Gary Oldman. Brilliantly played by Gary Oldman, previously yep. played by Alec Guinness. is tasked with um, searching for the mole at the top level of MI6. Mm. It's set in the 70s. Brilliant production design. A cast, Glenn. Glenn let me throw this at you. First, you've got an Oscar-nominated role from Gary Oldman. You've got Mark Strong. You've got John Hurt. You've got Toby Jones. You've got Benedict Cumberbatch. You've got Colin Firth. You've got Stephen Graham. The boys. <laughs> <laughs> <It's a lab laughs> Tom movie. Hardy is not it. And it is sensational in it. You're right. I mean, far out. Need I say more? If you want a, a slow burn thriller, like, don't expect a you know, like an action packed film, but you know, it's got a great twist, it's got intrigue, and it's melancholy. It's all about, you know, <laughs> changing eras. I yeah. would highly recommend it. It's shot beautifully well. Thomas Alfredson, I believe, made Let the Right One In. Yeah. I think so. I think, I think so. Yeah, it's a great mm, fact great. check alert. Yeah, yeah, don't quote me. But I'm going with it. Great film that is. But yeah, yeah check it out. I've Tickety. seen
0: it once and I enjoyed it. Yeah. And I should revisit. It is it
1: is rewatchable. It actually gets better. I think the first time I watched it, I'm like, I enjoyed things about that. Little dull, not what I was expecting. I've seen it a few times now and I'm like, yeah, it's a real grower. Mm. So give it a bash with a nice right. hot cuppa.
0: Okay. <laughs> uh, for my recommendation, I'm going right back to 1977. Oh, here we go, Sam. Uh It's a disaster movie. Do you okay. want to have a stab in the dark?
1: 77 disaster film. Oh, it's not like. It's not an airplane, is it?
0: It's not. So, this one is Roller Coaster. <laughs> okay. It's a pretty cheesy flick, but damn if I don't love it. So, look, it came about during that glorious time when disaster movies were all the rage. You had Towering Inferno. Towering Inferno. Yeah, Earthquake, Poseidon Adventure. Yes. Airport movies. Classics. I love them all. Uh, and I guess this one, they were kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel when mm. they they came up with the concept <laughs> for this one. How's this though? The poster declares "Rollercoaster" is a suspenseful melodrama of the sort that Alfred Hitchcock does best.
1: Oh, that's brilliant. Does
0: best. Does best. That's the New York Times. That's
1: uh, that's hilarious. Absolutely,
0: nobody else agrees with that sentence. No,
1: that's probably because you used to say a thriller is like a roller coaster.
0: Yeah, but it does start George Segal. Okay. Um And he also agrees it's very Hitchcockian Yes you know, I, I read a little bit of a press junket from back in the day And he's like, yes, can't, wait for this film It's going to be very Hitchcockian Wow. Anyway, he plays an amusement park inspector Who investigates um, and eventually hunts down A terrorist who's sabotaging roller coasters With bombs and demanding ransoms Brilliant uh, It's hokey, but it's so much fun Timothy Bottoms is the psychopath And uh, he's fantastic in this I love Timothy Bottoms Yeah Yeah uh, he was. What did he play? He was in the last
1: picture show. He was. He was in. Is he in Targets? Bogdanovich's first film, where he plays the um, the shooter at the university. Oh, he could be. Yeah, Targets is a brilliant film. He's in
0: Return from the River Choir. Yeah, of
4: course.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, he's also in Texasville Invaders from Mars, and I think he's in. He was the. He played George Bush in um, that TV <laughs> show from the guys that made South Park. That's my Bush. I think oh, that's cool. Yeah. yeah.
1: Okay. There you go.
0: Yeah. Anyway, look. Get on it. It also stars Henry Fonda as the park owner. Fonda. Um, yeah, he's in it. You know, back then if you had a disaster movie, you had to have a big Bill name. Yeah, you did. Even if they're washed up at the time. Yeah. Um we spoke about him on on a did. recent video. Fonda. Yeah. But interestingly it's also the debut of um Helen Hunt. Wow. And Steve Gutenberg. Wow. Okay. Yeah, so anyway, roller coaster, get on it. It is dumb. Yeah. But it's fun. Should we give away some movies? We should. All right, so last week's contest winner is Ryan Kendall, um, whose likes and support never go unnoticed. So thank you very much, Ryan. Uh, We're going to get some juicy films to you in the post. Thank Um, you. So for next week, if you want to win some movies, just keep being legends and interacting with us on social media, and we'll just continue to throw free stuff at you. Like, comment, share, all of the above, Facebook, YouTube, wherever. Uh, So it's been fun chewing the fat with you all again for another week. That's us for now. Uh, Thanks, all of you, for being part of this ever-evolving thing of mayhem that we do. We love doing it, and um, we'll be back next Monday with the first of a two-part interview with filmmaker Kimball Rendell, Mm. who made the film Cut, Bait 3D, and Guardians of the Tomb, a real genre maverick there. Yes. Um, Cheers to the regulars, Jarrett from Monsterfest for for joining us on this show, AFCA Chairman Adam Ross Guillermo from Screen Realm, and uh, some added cheers to the guys from Bonehead Weekly and the Motley Crew from Scarefest Television. So, here's another incredible tune to take us out, this time from Blues Brothers 2000. It's uh, Season of the Witch by Dr. John and the Blues Brothers. We'll see you next week, everyone. Good Movie Monday.
2: Very strange. You got to pick up every stitch When I look into my window, so many different people are on the beach. You got to pick up every stitch. Rabbits running in the ditch. Beating next side.